Live from Kalaloo Studios in New York City, you are listening to Let's Take It Offline with your host, Kishana Palmer. Hey, Fab Crew. You're listening to Let's Take This Offline, the podcast for everyday leaders. Part inspiration, part sit down. Let's have a conversation. Here's where you'll find the real deal about living well and leading well. I'm Kashana Palmer, your host and resident leadership whiz. And now let's take this offline. Don't forget to subscribe, download, and leave a comment so we can keep the conversation going. Ashawa Helton is the National Director of KIPP Through College. In her role, Ashawa leads the National KIPP Through College team and partners with Regents to support KIPP students and alumni as they progress on their journeys. Ashawa has extensive experience as a nonprofit leader with a track record of impact and a history of being data-driven and building and leading talented teams. Most recently, Ashawa was Chief Program Officer at iMentor, where she managed the national program team, oversaw a significant revision of iMentor's curriculum, and implemented a post-secondary success program that embraced college and alternate education pathways. Her previous roles include Senior Managing Director of External Affairs with Teach for America Metro Atlanta and East Coast Regional Director, then Chief Program Officer at Build, a national business-themed college success organization. Ashwa began her career as a Teach for America Corps member in New Orleans, teaching high school, English, and special education. Ashwa holds a BA in Psychology from Clark Atlanta University and an MSED in Teaching, Learning, and Leadership from the University of Pennsylvania. Hey, 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 what's up, Fab Crew? It's your girl, Kishana Palmer. I am back for another episode of Let's Take This Offline, the podcast for everyday leaders and friends. Today, I could not be more excited to have one of my dear hearts in the studio, Ashawa Helton. Ashawa, welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. So happy to be here. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey, hey. Now, Ashawa, like folks, they don't know that we go back far Far. Far. Let's do it. Let's do it. So we got to raise a glass and toast to our friendship. A little clink, clink. Hey. Hey. And wherever y'all are in the world, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. You can raise your glass with us. So, Ashwa, you know, it was happenstance, I think it was, that we actually met and had the opportunity to work together and then to become friends over the last Oh, I don't even know how many years. It feels like forever. And then also not enough. So to see if you can recollect in your mind how it all began. Picture it. <laughs> yes. Yes. Picture it. 1924. Sicily <laughs> for our Golden Girls and Girls fans. Yes. Um, it, it was so wonderful that we had the chance to meet at an organization where I was running program when you were running fundraising. And we got for a brief moment to overlap and be a, a little bit of a dynamic duo. And that wasn't the right time, place, fit for us to work together formally, but it gave us the opportunity to see that, one, we loved each other as sisters and as friends, and that we really resonated with one another as colleagues. 
And so we just took that and that good 11 years later and are still in this social sector work together. And so it's just a joy and a pleasure to have you as a friend, to have you as a mentor, to have you as a conspirator, as you say, um, and a colleague in this work. Absolutely. Ooh, you think of me as a mentor? I think of you as a mentor. Mutual Admiration Society. (laughs) (laughs) So now, see, here's the thing is like, Ashwa, it doesn't always work out that way for women of color in our line of work. I mean, you know, when they said the term, it's lonely at the top. I don't know if whenever that phrase was coined, if they realized they were talking about black and brown women in the C-suite. Right. I'm really not sure. Right. So true. And so I, you know, one of the things that comes up a lot, we see this uh, particularly right now in this um, political environment, in this uh, corporate and nonprofit sector environment, in this work environment. And now that we're home more than we're not because of, you know, I call it the zombie apocalypse. Other people call it COVID. <laughs> <laughs> that there is attention being paid, a spotlight, if you will, on women of color in the workplace. And that's right. Right. And on the one hand, I'm like excited because I'm like, all right, okay, all right, time up at bat. Folk are paying attention finally. You know, the 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 challenges and um the consternation we felt and all the things are going to be addressed. And then also is it is it our fifteen seconds? Not fifteen mm-hmm. minutes of fame, fifteen seconds. So tell mm-hmm. us a story. I want you to just kind of bring us into view of what the challenges and the pathway, you know, stumbling blocks, boulders, if you will, um, have been for women of color in the workplace. I know you've got a story or two you can bring us into view on. Unfortunately. 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 I just want you to know it wasn't with glee. It wasn't with glee. It's not with glee. It is with, you know, a solemnity to say, like, there are stories. And so as I think back to a meeting I am sitting um, around, among my C-suite colleagues, my you know fellow chiefs, uh, looking around the table. Fair number of people of color, fair number of white people in this team look to left and right, and um, an assertion is made by our white CEO, and I have to push against that um, kind of premise. I have to push against the whole sort of notion. And then what happens? That fine CEO turns to my fellow black female C-suite colleague and says, that's not what we've been talking about, right? Pause. Uh, wait a minute. Here we are, oppositional, kind of twerking and, and facing us in opposition to one another, putting her on the spot to either affirm or deny, letting me know that I am the uh, square peg in the round hole of this leadership conversation right. and looking at uh, that I might be a little bit of the problem. And, and this has happened any number of times to where I, in this current like iteration of my career where I'm senior leadership as well as along the way to this moment. And so I saw this uh, kind of graphic from an organization out of Canada called the Center for Community Organizations, coco.net, coco-net.org. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And they work with, uh, you know, kind of supporting equity in the workplace. Yeah. And I saw this graphic called the problem, quote unquote, woman of color in the workplace. And it just hit my soul in a deep place. Wait a minute. And it, 
they I recalled saw that. that moment. You saw that. Ooh. They recalled that moment and 20 others of my own and, and folks that I have heard from along the way, uh, women, African-American, Black, and others uh, in terms of people of color, where we are on this, like, trajectory. And so I wanted to have the meeting after the meeting <laughs> as I look back on that moment to say, what happened right there? What happened right Why there? Why does it keep happening? And what can we do to interrupt that cycle that this uh, organization has sort of identified? So, I mean, first of all, you said a whole, like a word and a half. And so I just need to bring us into view. So you were in a meeting of your peers and you all were having strategic conversations. I'm sure talking about different bets you needed to make and decisions that needed to be made made that would trickle down throughout the teams and into line staff of the organization and exactly. you said, uh, excuse me, hi, hey, um, have we considered, because, you know, we have to learn yes. language, you know, um, uh, very early on in our careers and a particular style of language if mm-hmm. we want to be successful, air quotes. Yes. Okay. So as after you put it down ever so gently, this assertion that you needed to make sure that was heard and discussed in the room your CEO decided to refute that and also to bring a colleague in who looks just like you to go, "Uh uh-uh, that's not what we said. That puts you in quite the pickle. Quite the pickle. And not the first time. And as I looked at this graphic, it starts, the woman of color enters the organization. The white leadership is excited. It's a honeymoon. She feels welcome. She feels needed. She feels happy. This is a resonant moment in this moment of racial reckoning where everyone is now turning to the black woman to lead from Stacey Abrams leading the nation all the way down to our local organizations. We are turning and the white leadership is looking to us and is falling in love with us all over again. It's wonderful. Here I come to save the day. Okay. It takes Kashana to talk about the superwoman. Come on. If you have not checked out, hold on. (laughs) Public service announcement one time. If you have not had the opportunity to check out Shoshana Palmer's TEDx talk on I'm Not Your Superwoman, uh, please look it up immediately. Thank it's you. in the and show you. notes. It's in the show notes. Hang Correct. <laughs> so we come into the organization, right? And so we enter the door. Tokenized hire. They are Woo. excited. Woo. Then sets in the reality. Now, the woman of color points out issues within the organization. She tries to work within the organization's structure and policies, and she pushes for accountability, which is experienced as repetitive injury and microaggressions on both sides, where the white leadership feels injured and the microaggressions are experienced by that woman of color. Then we move on to the response. The organization denies, it ignores, it blames, it um, holds the responsibility for fixing the problem with the woman of color. Pause. Pause. Hey, friends, how many of you are now being asked to be your, quote, equity lead in your organization? How many of you are seeing, like, a new head of equity being hired? That's priority one. Drop everything. Find $100,000. Hire the one woman of color who is going to save us from this entrenched uh, uh, inequity, white supremacist culture that is invading our organization and has since its auspicious or inauspicious (laughs) beginnings. Come on now, this one woman. Come on. Come on, one woman. I see her cape so, on. It's tight. She's feeling look, fancy and free. She's feeling good. They promised her that she was going to be able to have lots of bandwidth, rope, pathway, and resources, except it's not tied to an organizational 
strategic priority. priority. Look here. Oh, okay. So then good. The organization decides that the woman of color is the problem for all of the things he's bringing up that are structural, that they want to deny as structural and make individual. Then maybe this woman is uh, labeled as a communication issue, or maybe she's just not a good fit. And maybe she's pitted against another person of color at the table. Recall my experience with my colleagues. Yes. And then before you know it, target attack and the sad little uh, image at the bottom of the graphic, the woman of color exits the organization. I mean, we just have to start at the top, okay? Because y'all click the link in the show notes so that you can actually see this graphic. But we we have to put people to the graphic so we can just really break it down because some of our listeners are like, I don't, I don't, I don't know when that happened. I'm not, I'm not really. And others are Ooh. like, well, they don't even have to hear the story to know what it is, but we're going to bring this into view. So I remember being recruited for a well-known national nonprofit and like many rising stars, the, the, celebration, the celebratory nature, we'll say, of being recruited is that folks are really excited to see you come, okay? They're like, oh my gosh, Kashana, she is a nation builder. She is a sea changer. She tells it like it is. She's going to bring truth to power to the people. It's going to be a new day. She's an expert in change management. She really knows her stuff when it comes to fundraising and marketing and communications. Fill in the level of subject matter expertise with your pleasure. Okay. And I joined this organization having negotiated my buns off, but I had a nagging feeling around the celebration. So yeah, there were balloons up, Ashwa, but also my negotiation didn't feel that great when I had to go back in to ask for an additional $10,000, $15,000, knowing that my counterparts at other organizations with less responsibilities and more staff are being paid way more than I am. They're not even doing the same job. So I'm fighting to get close to peers who aren't even doing the work I'm doing. Uh, That starts us off on the wrong foot. And so Mm -hmm. what we don't see in this, in this graphic, what we don't talk about is for all the hype and the hoopla of me being able to join this organization and me being able to join a company, because we know we have folks who are on the corporate side as well. We don't discuss the painful aspects of getting to that spot. So so what happens there? So we, so we, we, we gloss it over, right? We're like, oh my gosh, we're so excited. Asha was joining us. Let's go. But all of that stuff we don't discuss. Why is that, Asha? What do you what do you think is going on with that? We don't even talk about the injury that starts at the part that's supposed to be the most joyful. It's a, it's challenging because folks want to be better than they are, you know, and especially at this time, you know, there are more leaders, white leaders, there are more uh, leadership teams and boards of directors who want to be right than probably in the last, you know, 50, 60 years. Great. And yet, right is still a little bit out of reach. And so starting with compensation, starting with onboarding into the organization, starting Mm -hmm. with positionality and charge, starting with resourcing around us as leaders in whatever level that we are entering the organization. Um, I recently worked with a woman who was charged as director of equity. And so there's a whole infrastructure above her, below her, but yet she was expected 
to pivot a very large, unwieldy organizational ship from her seat without resource, no administrative backup, no seat on the senior leadership team, no budget, and just the opportunity to, quote, unquote, help us have crucial conversations. Um, she lasted a year in the role, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. And at, and at what saying. cost to herself? At what were the the physical, the mental, the, the, the performance, all of that? What were the blows that she took in order to be able to move the needle, even just a scratch? Untold. Untold. Right? Untold. Untold. Um, and, and I think it is, it's challenging in this moment because part of what speaks to me about this graphic is that the folks mean well, they're excited, they want to be better, this is why they're making the investment in diversifying and having quote-unquote diverse voices at the table. But yet, when it really comes down to the structural, let me tell you what a synonym for structural is, expensive. <laughs> Say that again, okay? Structural, all that means is it's expensive to fix. We wish that it was individual. We like when one person is not a good fit. Just like when a, a, a sports team um, is not working out, fire mm-hmm. the coach. Fire the coach. Because then you get to have one person exit, one salary turnover, one person enter, Absolutely. and then the world gets to operate as uh, planned as was previously scheduled. And so it is very challenging to think about how to set a woman of color up for success when she has been charged ostensibly with bringing her authentic self to work, how how much do we love that phrase? Oh, um, and bring- so just bring <laughs> our authentic laughing. self to work. Child, <laughs> and then when she brings it, no, it's not just my authentic self that wears African-centered clothing or natural hair. My authentic self says to you, there is structural racism in the fact that you do not pay people on the first and the fifteenth when low-income folks, folks who do not have credit backing, folks who do not come from money or two-income households um, need to pay bills. And so your fund pay on the last day of the month or pay on the, the 4th and the 29th does not work. That's not fun. That's expensive. That's to expensive to fix. And so I think that th- that's why I wanted to stop us right there at the beginning where folks are feeling joyful in the honeymoon it's like being on a bootleg honeymoon. I just want you to know, like, I want to go on a honeymoon that's like first class tickets and it's top notch ac- accommodations and we have concierge service. You already know what your, what your friend is mm. like. OK. Mm. And you are inviting me to a honeymoon at the Best Western. No, no, not okay. to the Best Western. OK, because every there's a, there's a there's a hotel for every budget. But mm-hmm. when you are bringing and every occasion and every occasion. Hello. Come on. So let's come on. Clink for that. And <laughs> mm, every occasion, but when you are bringing me in to solve a five star mess, come. But you are putting me at a one star stopover. Come on, I'm gonna need y'all to understand that actually you don't want to clean up the mess at all. You just want the sign that that's up that says caution, cleaning in progress. That's it. Mm. Okay, there's still uh, there's still an opportunity mm. for slip and fall and injury. And so I think that that is something that is so critical. You just, I mean, like you just highlighted something that is so pervasive. And I see this all the time. I saw it as a full-time employee. I see it with my clients. It's something that many of us who are on uh, executive teams and senior leadership teams talk about. And it is the practice of the problem. 
because what, because when you're looking at that tokenized hire and hanging your hat on everything being hit, you're hinging on that one hire answering all the problems to your point, you are ignoring the expensive aspect of it. And that is really the bones of the whole situation. And I think that that's something that in our, in our desire <laughs> to advance mission, we've heard that before, Ashwa. We just mm. want to get to the outcome. We burn the people. Yes. Uh, and it is, it's so critical uh, that we, we sort of look at the dominant culture nature of change in these companies and organizations, because not only is it expensive, it's expensive in three ways that the dominant culture uh, sort of entrenched operating norm hates. Number one, it's expensive in your pocket, which you yes. hate. Number two, it's expensive in your time, which you hate because you really, want to really go fast hate. to go fast. Exactly. You like pace. You like fetishization of scale. You want to take over the world, manifest destiny. I joined an organization and the quote was, how quickly can you get to said organization Guam? I'm like, pause, ma'am, you've got two regions, but, but appreciate the aspiration. But what is the charge for my success and on what timeline? And then third, and perhaps the, the hardest, the stickiest and the hardest to confront for, for everyone involved, it is expensive to my comfort. Mm. Talk about you this now comfort. Want to, Come on. You now want to take more time spend more money and make it uncomfortable for me to look at the real entrenched systemic inequities that are baked into the practice of my organization that actually will not be fixed with one hire, that actually will not be solved with the diversity statement that we get to put on the website, that actually will not be able to be fixed with a one-day diversity seminar by the people who did it for Starbucks. Come on. Now you have gotten all the way into, as my grandmother would say, the kitchen. That back hey, part, you know, right there part. at the bottom by the hey, neighbor the that neck. That back part by the neighbor the neck where you got to lay that thing yeah. down. You got to take Come it. And, and you have to be gentle with the kitchen. Gentle. And for those of y'all who don't know what the kitchen is, I need you to hold your left hand up. I need you to slide it past your left ear. Then I need you to take your index in your middle finger and touch the nape of your neck that needs you to just roll it around in a circle friends yeah that's your kitchen that's your kitchen yeah. it's delicate back and that's there. where the truth is it's where the truth is told right there absolutely it's where the truth is told and so it is it is important for us to figure out each of us as women of color in the workplace or allies to women of the color of women of color in the workplace how can you disrupt the cycle or help be a disruptor of this cycle that starts with the honeymoon and ends with the exit on about a three to three and a half year timeline I have seen. Um, and so a couple of things come to mind to me yeah. that I've just been trying, right. That I've just been like uh, poking at exercising, uh, recommending to see what can possibly help first disrupt it, mm-hmm. name it, Name it. When I was hired at my most recent job, the job I'm at now, where I'm having a a great experience in many, many ways, one reason I might attribute that to is that I distributed this graphic to my boss, my boss's boss, my entire team, and the talent team. (laughs) I don't want to be this. Thanks. You were like, hi, here's my welcome gift to you. Look here. Here's, Here's what it is. Here's what I don't want to be true can you pledge to me to try to interrupt this cycle? And it was interesting. There were various conversations regard, you know, um, 
one end of the spectrum was surprise and like consternation. Like this would never be the case. I'm like, pull up the stats of the last black eight leaders that you had. And let's talk about let's the talk tenure about, and let's, let's talk, talk about, about it. it. Did they get, as we call, qualified? Well, you didn't get fired, right. but you also would not have been able to stay. Okay. So you got qualified. So you got qualified. You already know. I know that's, you know, that's my story. And I tell that unapologetically now, but gosh, the shame that comes with so being qualified. Okay. So and hard. knowing, and, and knowing that the work that you did will outlast you and outlive you. So it wasn't Look. the work. It was never the work. So I love that you laid that down. So you have folk on one side that were like, surprise. Oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening. And then what did you have on the other side? Nod and smile. I'll do Nuh-uh. my best. Nuh-uh. Well, I'll how, do my best. How fast can I get out the room? I know, I'll do my best, you know, because they understood. They've seen it before and they don't have answers either. Um, and so one thing is just to call a thing a thing. I think that the more that we can name in advance what could be true the better we can say some of those like little markers as as we love to say in, in the social sector the yes. leading indicator leading indicators uh, so uh <laughs> let's let, let's let's try to get at that and then the second thing that i've been trying that i that i have really been thinking a lot about is along what lines do they pit one another of people of color against one another like well how do they mm-hmm. pit us against each how other, they pit each other how can yeah. i on the interpersonal head off those dynamics right how can i build relationships that that might be uh turned more adversarial later whether it's the person who has an oppositional job if i'm in programming you're in operations or mm-hmm. fundraising mm-hmm. if it could be in terms of uh, tenure where you're the old guard and i'm viewed as the new guard mm-hmm. it could be philosophical where i uh, have been uh, brought in as a quote-unquote change agent um and you are representing the quote-unquote establishment mm-hmm. um the, you know what are those dynamics that might become adversarial or oppositional um in this like sort of uh path and and how do we build bridges so that the relationship can be protective of those kinds of influences you know which yeah. a lot of well-meaning white folks do without meaning to do they just go to another person who thinks differently than Oshawa to see what they thought because they wanted to get another point of view. Then you end up at the table I was at where the CEO was able to turn to the colleague who they brought the, their critique, their comment, their worry and say, that's not what we discussed. Didn't we think of it differently? Question mark, seeking eyes, wondering if it's, if you're going to now be the person so that I'm saved from being oppositional, you'll be oppositional. Uh, so I think that those are two things that I've been trying to do. And, Hit me two years, Kashana, when oh I get gosh. to three and a half years and see if it works. I mean, so uh, here's what I work. love about that. One, I love the power in your decision to try it a different way. And I think one of the things that I have learned from experience over the course of my career, and, you know, we talked about this many times, is how much energy we have to put into making a safe a place that's not necessarily safe for us, safe for us. It's like yeah. childproofing your job. From the children that you don't even have or realize that you were going to inherit, you know, Um, you're like, oh, you're dropping the kid off for a play date. Wait a minute. You're never picking them up again. And so you're childproofing Mm -hmm. while you run around the house. And I think that for many of us, depending on when you came into your professional work. And so I think that young professionals coming into work right now have a very different posture than when you and I came into professional work around 
what was the air quotes right thing to do versus wrong thing to do, how we had to move in our space. And so mm-hmm. for me, I didn't come into um, the social sector looking for friends because generationally I come from a time where my parents were like, you go to work and you work and you go home. And so becoming friends was an extra thing. So I think that coming in with the idea that you're on your own anyway already sets you up to not win in terms of being able to build the relationships, the bridges that are going to be necessary to not create those adversarial relationships or contentious situations down the line. So I think that's the first thing. I think the second thing is how many times have you been at a conference when outside was open and you walk past another uh, black person, another person of color, and you kind of give the friendly what's up or the wave and they don't look at you? Look here. And you're like, "Eh, hello. 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 Did you not see me? Hello. Hello. And it's not because you're invisible. It's because oftentimes we have been taught that unlike at church where two or three are gathered, worship can happen. Um, Where two or three are gathered in a professional environment, folks thinking that we're up to no good. And so there's a fear of even being able to build community so that you're able to do your job well and you're able to have a safe place to land. So in this diagram, as we move through that honeymoon space, the woman of color feels like she's got the safe place to land. Everybody's happy to see her. If you work at an organization or a company that has any kind of a weight of their worth, you have some version of an onboarding plan. People are taking the lunches. You might get invited to a happy hour or two. So you think you're in there like swimming. Whoo, this time is going to be different. And then the reality starts to set in. And I think that that, that do we, do you think that we oftentimes see where the turn happens? Cause it's a turn. It's a windy road. Right. And so you're yeah. on this good road. You're doing, you know, easing down a yellow brick road. And then all of a sudden, wait a minute, we're in terrible town. How does this happen? Yes. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, my personal experience, I have experienced it both ways where it snuck up on me. I'm like, wait, how did we get, get here? here? Yes. <laughs> um, and I've had the experience where I see it coming. I see mm-hmm. it coming and whether I can change it or not or head it off or not, I, 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 I see the pivot. I see the, the, the lowered receptivity to the same type of systemic critique that I might have shared three months prior Mm -hmm. that I then had much less runway, much less buy-in three months later. So I have experienced it both ways. And it's so like resonant the way that you sort of talk about um, the onboarding experience and feeling safe and feeling like, okay, I don't have to necessarily build community because it's present. Another thing that kind of goes with that is, a lot of times we have professional community that does not become personal or personal community that does not become professional. Absolutely. And so it then translates to, I really love her, but, but (laughs) that's on the one hand where we're personal. And then they go into a professional piece around this repetitive injury situation and denial, or like, I know she's an asset and she's excellent at her job, but, but that's where that you've had the professional, but there's no personal support and there's no therefore black coffee conversation that says like, Hey, you are getting into the entrance of terrible town. Folks do not are not receiving you as the same way as they did this time last year. How can I be an ally to you? How can I add a voice? How can I, how can I not have you at the Vanguard, but instead open the conversation 
or bring in an important example or interrupt if the, if there's a positioning of two people of color against each other, uh, how can I be a disruptor? But, but the blending, you're so right about that intergenerational piece, mm-hmm. the blending of the personal and professional was not a thing. And then now we look up and we've got the kind of Q12 questions uh, that, were, that are asked <laughs> of so many of the like, great nonprofits and great companies, right? I have a best friend at work. Say what? <laughs> You're like, who is now? that what we're seeking? Is that, right. Is that, is that, is that, and, and it's on employment. It's on employee engagement surveys all the time. Okay. All the time. And, and systemically on that survey, the, you know, the Q12 survey, that question is rate it gets the lowest rating among african americans and people of color yep because that is neither our orientation nor our expectation and it is not a definition of success or non-success at the workplace um but it's very different um in, in, in generationally and operationally and culturally and so you know there's a lot to unpack as we think about um, the the divergent expectations of that Gallup survey, mm-hmm. that 12 Gallup survey, as compared to what our expectations are and how to avoid the inevitable sort of pathway of this quote-unquote problem woman of color in the workplace. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Love what you heard? Found a little nugget, but need more? Head on over to kishcamp.com, my masterclass for managers who are ready to do things differently at work and grow their skills so they can lead with confidence. Don't forget to subscribe, download, and leave a comment so we can keep the conversation going. Now, let's head back to take this offline. That is such a word. And, you know, what we need from work is oftentimes so different. And I think that um, folks try to treat all black professionals as a monolithic group, as if we all need the same things where I have seen experience participated and created differentiated learning experiences for my white team members that I've had to manage. And then when I tried to give that same experience to new hires who were black or who were um, Latinx or who were from other um, ethnic backgrounds, the eyebrow got raised. Why, why you want to go and do that now? Huh? Like really? Mm -hmm. And so the, the treatment is pervasive and also like a mist that I always talk, often talk that just kind of goes under the door because the ways in which we have been socialized around the like me bias go back to grade school. Come on. And many of the organizations that are being founded, particularly high growth social venture organizations, and it exists in more traditional storied organizations that have experienced, you know, leadership changes and rebranding and positioning Mm -hmm. and so forth, as well as the ones that had $5 on Monday, 2 million on Tuesday, replicating in six cities on Thursday, um, that folks hire their friends to go start this organization because they had a dream and a vision. 
And mm-hmm. then you build organizations and the leadership around folks who you would kick it with, who have similar life experiences to you. And so mm-hmm. when it's time to actually help the organization grow and study after study shows that organizations and companies who actually want to push the envelope on innovation and growth and actually make more money need diverse staff. Baby, it is not diversity of thought. And yet we keep seeing that over and over and over again until we get to the emails I get. Dear Kashana, I really need your help because I would like to have more diverse talent. Dear person who just wrote me in my inbox. What? What what do you mean diverse talent? We we just like, what does that even mean? Like, what is the definition of that? And how can we break that down so that what you don't mean is I need numbers. So I'm just here so I don't get fined. I think that statement, that court, that I need to make more diverse hires is literally the epitome of I'm just here so I don't get fined. So true. And and whether they mean it to be or Or not. not. Right. And this is, we're we're in a murky place because the intention is better ostensibly than it's been in a long time. There's a lot of positive intention there. And that does not change the reality, the impact separate from the intent, which is please to not assume because you have brought in people of color to operate, lead, fill roles. That if their mentality is not different from your own, that you are diversifying your organization. And similarly, <laughs> do not consider yourself to be diverse because you point at diversity of thought when everyone looks the same. Oh, my God. Neither of those is uh, that both are necessary, but neither is sufficient. And so coming back to that central thought around, you know, I love what you said about, you know, people of color within our ethnicities not being a monolith or people of color not being a monolith. You know, I have a love-hate relationship with the whole concept of people of color because it paints with such a broad brush, which is sometimes, but oftentimes not uh, accurate enough. Mm -hmm. But what is true is that diversity in, in a real way that combats this problem woman of color cycle comes from both ideological disruptors woke folk, if mm-hmm. you will, mm-hmm. and people who have marginalized experiences, people who are from marginalized groups. Both are necessary. Both are, are neither sufficient on their own if you really want to see a disruption systemically of this kind of pattern in a company or an organization. But baby, can I come back to expensive? I mean, expensive. Expensive. My time my money and my comfort. So, I, you know, I really Ooh, my encourage time, my money and my comfort. I encourage us to, to try to have as frank a conversation with one another, with our colleagues, with our leadership. What are you here for in terms of spending this in terms of the expense? What, where do you, where are you willing to spend? I hear you're willing to spend on a salary for a director of equity and for a new, uh, you know, blah, fill in the bank, blah, fancy title, multiple words, acronyms, and so forth. Excellent. And Correct. then put out a press release. Joy. Hey, joy. Good. Are you here for the expense of bringing the diversity conversation to your board of directors? Oh, <laughs> and as I, as I say, you know, I've said this, if the money ain't on it, I don't hmm. want it. 
So if you're not willing to bring this to your board of directors, if you're not willing to bring this to your board of trustees, if this is not tied to your executive compensation, the same way goals are tied to compensation, bonuses and so forth. If this is not tied not to excellence, but to the the three out of five, okay, that you get when you're doing the job you're supposed to do, then friends, Mm. we have a problem. Okay. And and if you are leaving it to your black and brown professional, and in this particular example, since we're referring to this diagram, to the woman of color to carry all of the water buckets, oh, she's going to carry those water buckets. But if you're giving her leaky buckets, Mm. And then telling her, oh, no, hop on one foot while you get down there. And then maybe if you hop on one foot with the leaky buckets and get to the bottom of the hill and you don't drop any water, we might maybe could keep you also and still be your friend. Potentially. Who could say? Try it, though. Good luck. Mm -hmm. See you in three years. See you in three years. But really? Really? Will we? And so then what what happens when we get down to that response, right? Because we're taking on this meandering path. We're dealing now with the reality that this person is hired. And it doesn't have to be in a DEI role. I just want to be really clear, folks, that in the time that we're in right now, again, there's a spotlight on looking at diversity, equity, and inclusion or access, depending on how your organization frames it, as an opportunity, as we're not going to get fined, as um, re-centering the organizational ethos, whatever, um, that that's not the only role that this happens in. It actually happens mm-hmm. in program, in operations, in communications, in development, in IT. Shall I keep going? In research, mm-hmm. in evaluation, in alumni engagement. Shall I keep going? I mean, mm-hmm. in administration. So every aspect of an organization, this is happening to the professionals that you are hiring in, particularly if you started your search with the following, oh my gosh, we have to get a diverse hire in here. If you started mm. with that level of panic, friends, you have already set your set sail down a course that is going to set up that professional for failure. Period. End of story. Quit fired in three years. Quit fired in three years. Or Woman less. of color exits the organization. And then let's just let's just put another thing on the table, okay, Ashwa? Since we're just putting all the cookies where we can get to them. Come on. How many times have we been at an organization where a person of color, particularly a woman, was quit fired, let go, left on her own volition, of her own volition, and then another person of color was hired in in their place? How many times? Zero out of zero. Hmm. Let me just answer it Hmm. for you. Zero out of zero. Come on. And what do you think is what do you think is happening there? Because I think this a, it's a peculiar, but it's persistent enough because we see it in the chats and we see it in blog posts that are coming out. And we even wrote about it as we started at the top of the hour with COVID, as we talked to philanthropists who are charged with the purse of how we can do philanthropy different. So there's a thing that happens when we're in that situation. What is it when we're replacing the professionals of color who are in the organization who leave with folks who are not? What's that about? What's that about? You know, I mean, I think that situations vary and that there's a lot of dynamics at play. But as I think about this graphic, as it says, the the organization labels the person as a communication issue or claims that she's not qualified or, quote, not a good fit. Mm. Um, Then it leans right back into what you mentioned just a few minutes ago of that affinity space, of who you feel comfortable with, of who you launch the organization with, Mm -hmm. of who operates like you. And so it becomes this pendulum swing of 
I want to bring in diverse practitioners, hopefully both diverse in their thought and experience and their actual ethnic or, uh, or background that might be marginalized as opposed to more dominant culture. And then I have the experience of them pushing my money, pushing my comfort and pushing my time. So then I think they're not a good fit. And so then I happen to happen to choose as a replacement <laughs> someone who feels like they didn't have the maladies of the problem of the person of color problem person that just left. So then the pendulum swings, swings back into a more homogenous space only for us to look up and be like, oh, man, this department has gotten whiter. What happened over the last few years? We need a diverse hire. And oh my then, gosh. Oh my God. Are we in the matrix? Oh my gosh. Oh my God. Are we starting the, the whole situation over again? Are we rebooting the I matrix need a drink. again? Wait a minute. Are we rebuilding Zion once again? Clink, clink to the clink, rebuild clink, clink, once clink. again. Okay. And over and over and over again. And so if organizational leadership, and let me put a pin on it, if the people who are in organizational leadership. You know, we always talk about the leadership like it's a, a ship sure. <laughs> and not sure. people mm-hmm. on the ship. If totally. folks who are in power, whether that is situational power or it's, or it's influential power, are not willing to put money and time and comfort on the table. I just love how you broke that down. This is ever so softly. Look here. And know that just like your programmatic outcomes, it's not going to happen in a year. It's not going to happen overnight. Just like the activities that you are masking as outcomes, going back to funders going, we just need a little bit more time on our proof of concept times Hmm. 20 years. Just Hmm. like any of the things that actually take time, if you are actually honest and actually have a fervent desire to invest in your people, then it is your responsibility to do that over time and to stay with it because that's just the way it is. Otherwise, you're just doing some stir fry diversity, actually, and inclusion work and calling it a day. And you will continue to see the same problem happen over and over again, which is why we are continuing to see more and more um, professionals of color and particularly women of color leave the sector to go out and start their own practices, to move into other sectors, to do other things, because workplaces are not psychologically safe. And they're not thriving professionally because of that. So I think it's a real tough one, real tough one. So where do we go next? Okay. So what happens once this particular professional leaves the organization? What can organizations have right now as, you know, I don't believe in a quick fix, but you know, I like, I like a good two or three things you could do right now. And so we have, you know, executive directors, CEOs, we have senior VPs, chiefs, um, we have middle level managers listening to this podcast right now who are like, oh my God, I have an interview We're doing a series on Monday. Oh my gosh, I got to go talk to HR. Oh my goodness, we just did fill in the blank. What do you think is a thing or two that you would want folks to consider as they step forward in a direction to ensure that we don't label our professionals the problem? Um, you know, there, there are so many so and many. yet so few oh my gosh. like proven things, right? There's so many things to do and yet so few things that are universal. I would say you can never go wrong with listen to black people. Oh my gosh. Listen to people of color. <laughs> Ask them the hard question and then listen. 
<laughs> so if I just want y'all to know that you just gave the you just gave the church clap the the mama clap. I'm, I had to I had to I had to do it I had to do it because y'all don't listen. Um, ask the hard question if you have been given the same survey because you want data continuity. My background is in data and program evaluation. I understand every time we tinker towards utopia with our measurement tools, it's no longer apples to apples. I get it times a thousand and. If you have been asking the same questions and they are not getting at these kinds of questions, questions of comfort, safety, the ability, the positionality, the belief of, of efficacy of your people of color to be able to promote in your organization, to be able to change the direction of work based on their expertise and voice, yes. you need to tinker towards utopia. Ask the questions and then listen. Second, don't be afraid to go slow to go fast. And this, in this moment, everybody wants you to get it right now. Can you hire the consultant? Can you do the 10-week engagement? Can you get it on the website? That quick fix fast food option is not going to get at this particular Absolutely. issue. Absolutely. So you have got to be here for this 10-course meal. You have got to be ready for the appetizer and the aperitif and the moose goose and everything else. You got to take your time. <laughs> you got to take your time you on got, this, this is, meal. This is a delight, okay? This is this a cornucopia of goodness that you are stepping Getting into. Getting yourself together is, and by the time you get to that 10th course dessert, you're full, you are satisfied, you have had new experiences, and you are like ready to like take on the world or go to sleep and take it on tomorrow. But either way, You've got to take the time. And so an audit is necessary. After you listen to the people as to where the pain points are, you have to go look. Go look at your data. If you are not collecting data on things like persistence, promotion, raise, frequency, um, some of the more invisible things. How often do people get, quote, stretch opportunities? Who's getting them? That's a big thing. That's a big thing. That's who a big is thing. positioned with the bridging experiences so that they can move from direct service or work on the line to management um, and, and really interrogate your practice and don't be afraid to take the time to look because you know, there are those who are going to need the quote unquote business case, the quote unquote data uh-huh. case. They need all so the data. Take the, the time case. to build it. Exactly. Take the time to build it. If you really want change and you know, you're going to need it, Take the time to build it. That's the work that finally, we've been doing so much. My gosh, go ahead. Finally. So much, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. It, it's necessary work. Take the audit, take the inventory, build the case. And then finally, don't be afraid to try something before you say something. And you Ooh. know, you and I have written on this we together. Written, yeah. <laughs> Can you not talk about it, but instead be about it? Thank you. Can you be about it and then talk about it as opposed to talking about it? And then boxing yourself into how you have to be about it because you've already said. Yes, my daddy used to say, "I'm from Missouri. Show me. Don't do it. Just, just do, do the work. Okay. We don't need the press release. We don't need the accolades. Do the work. Correct. Try. Do the work. Figure out something that you want to try based on what your data and your people have said, and then see if it works. Please do not publish the six ways you're gonna go about it." So that then when you find out it's none of those things, it's the seven things too bad. We already committed on this thing and on this press release and in this article that we're going to do these other six things. That's where so, so many know, equity task forces go to die. Yes. Actually. Come on now. It's, Come the, on, it's in the equity task force. task force graveyard 
where amazing ideas have gone to die because we have announced Mm -hmm. before we have tried. And I think in, you know, our work here at Kashana and Co., um, you know, as we dig into culture audits and we dig into team audits, I mean, we do so much of that work now. And that's, you know, folks are reaching out to us like, can we get in on that? And I'm like, hold on, hold on. If you don't want us to ask you the kind of questions that's going to make you squirm in your seat like you just had bad lunch, then you probably don't want to do the work that's necessary to get to the buffet that we have previously discussed. Because that's just what it is, you know, and I think on the fast food line, you're in a drive through, you're in a drive through. That's it. That's it. And if you want, if listen, if you want drive through results, it's still gonna make your belly hurt later. I just want y'all to know. Mm. And the Mm. problem is not going to be stopped. You're still going to be hungry. Okay. Anybody who's had a fast food experience knows an hour later, you're like, God, I could eat. It's the same. And Mm. so really making sure folks are mindful about those nuggets that you just have shared about a way forward um, is so, so, so critical. Listen, you know, you and I could talk about this and more all day. So we are going to have to have you back for more. Listen, friends. With pleasure. With pleasure. Friends, listen. Ashua and Kashana just told you a word or two or three or 35. I hope that you are rewinding this right now and going back and taking furious notes. You're looking at the transcripts like, oh my gosh, and take it into your next leadership meeting because you're going to need it. Because the reality is everybody's not going to put you on game and make sure that you understand what needs to be true in order for you to actually ensure that the professionals you hire into your organization in your pursuit of diversity, equity, and inclusion actually persist it's a thing absolutely it's a thing and don't be the person of color the woman of color problem in the workplace and not know exactly don't look up and be at the end she wasn't a fit what what do you Mm. mean i wasn't a fit and you're still using Mm. the branding and i did and you're still using the staffing plan i created and you're still using the expansion plan i created oh just Mm. me i'm feeling those i'm feeling Mm. the way okay so listen, Ashwa, thank you so much for hanging out with me. I know that Always. folks are going to be like, oh my gosh, this changed my life. And I know we're going to have more as we talk about the challenges and opportunities that everyday leaders face and that we take them to the meeting after the meeting. So I want to thank you, Absolutely. my friend. My pleasure. My pleasure. Wonderful to hang out with you anytime and also with your listeners and to just share in this conversation. I love it. We'll talk soon, boo. Yes, yes. On our next episode, we're going to be digging into personal development, y'all. Okay? I know some of y'all don't want to visit yourself, but we're going to visit you. And so make sure that you hit that subscribe button because I'll be talking to you real soon. No, I was going to say this and more. I stopped. I forgot. I was like, maybe I should write one more thing. You're asking. Oh, got it, got it. I know what I'm going to ask. I know what I'm going to ask. Come on, Scribble. Okay. I got it. I know, right? Come on, Scribble. Y'all, I'm just doing this on the go. Doing this on the go. Prepared.